what God has. Our series title is A Thrill of Hope. A Thrill of Hope. Isn't that good news? Good news. I don't know about you, but that's one of my favorite Christmas carols. Do you know what I really love about Christmas carols, like the, the, the old school Christmas carols, is they are full of good theology. You know, there was a day that people did not know or have available to them the Word of God. They had no written translation to be able to study the Word on their own. And songs were the way in which theology was passed down. In fact, most of Scripture, particularly Psalms, is written in song. It was specifically given to pass down the history and the things that had taken place, and people caught it by song. And I really believe that when we chose the name of this series, just over the next two weeks, part of it was in response to say, God, give us the thrill of hope again. Again. You know, people are putting their Christmas up earlier than ever. Whether you land on that's a good idea or not a good idea, may I suggest that some of the reason why we see that happening is because people are searching for a warm feeling. They're searching for something else to focus on. They're searching for something to have an expectation about. And they don't have Jesus. And because they don't have Christ, all they can do is find things that relate to him. But this is our day and our opportunity to truly bring hope because he is a God of hope. So would you turn with me to Romans chapter four? Romans chapter four. I'm gonna start sort of in the middle of verses. I'm gonna start in verse 17. Would you stand for the reading of the word? Romans 4. This is what the Bible says in Romans 4, verse 17 in the New King James. I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him, we're talking about the Lord Jesus, whom he believed, or God, who gives life to the dead and causes those things which do not exist as though they did who contrary in hope, in hope, believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken to him. Isn't it good news that the God that you and I serve is not one who only gets his power through our sacrifice? Every other God on the planet is empowered by our sacrifice to it. But our God gave a sacrifice to empower us. He needed nothing. He needed nothing from you and I to raise the dead. He needs nothing from you and I to cause things that are in chaos to come into order. He has no ability to have any help from us. And Abraham, even before the new covenant and the resurrection of Jesus and the death on the cross, 
he had confidence even then that this God was worth it. This God, there was something different about him. And today I just wanna break down what does it mean to have hope against hope? What's it mean when the odds are stacked against you? When nobody thought you should have made it the 24 hours? When everybody else left the prison cell and nobody come bail you out when it was time to get out because nobody had confidence anymore that you could be different? Or what about when you lost the baby and and they came by and they were generous in their conversation, but nobody went home with you. You had to face the realities of not having what you expected to have. How do you have hope when you lost your job? How do you have hope when people no longer want to be with you? They leave you. I want to talk about that today. So Lord, I ask you that you will anoint my words to speak clearly and accurately, that you will cause us to see and to perceive, and that we will take your words and place them deeply within us. And I'm asking you, Lord, that you will use my voice to communicate your thoughts so that we can give you all the glory and all the honor because you are the only hope that we have. We will choose to hope against hope so that we can walk in your will. Lord, bless this time today. Speak to people in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Would you just have a seat this morning? It's going to take me a minute to break a couple things down. I was studying for this particular message, and interestingly, I was looking at something that I had never seen before. And one of them was, it kind of sent me on a journey of of looking at some physics regarding our atmosphere and our galaxy. Now, if you know me, this is not my thing. I am not a galaxy studier. But when I was studying, it just felt like there were some things clicking in my spirit and I was needing to break it down. And and God kind of sent me on a journey of studying. And as I was studying about the galaxy, I was really intending to kind of bridge the gap between uh, here on earth, what we see into our sky. And I was going to bridge the gap about how we had the invention of a telescope. And that telescope becomes like an illustration of what it means to operate in hope. You get something that gives you the ability to see something that no one else is seeing, but is obviously there. I don't know about you, but I need hope in my life today. In fact, I would say that hope is the prerequisite of Christianity in many ways because hope is the prerequisite of faith. Faith is the way you receive Christ, which means you had to have hope Christ could do something before you ever walked an aisle or said yes to Jesus. You believed in some way God had something that you could get nowhere else. Maybe you were at your wits end. Maybe your options had run out. Maybe you didn't know up from down or side to side. Maybe you felt like you were in a dark closet. I don't know what it was for you, but when you said yes, it was It wasn't so much that the great faith said yes, it was your hope that gave you the ability to say yes to something you didn't even understand yet. All you knew was it looked better than anything else you had. 
is exactly what comes on the scene with Abraham. Abraham doesn't have options. He is old. His wife is old. They have not had any children. They've been doing what you do to have children. There wasn't nothing left. But even at that place, Romans chapter 4 tells us that even when there was no reason for Abraham to continue to believe that something God declared over his life was possible, he still for some reason found it more logical to look and say, I think I will put my faith in that. And then we wonder how he becomes the the person who's the father of our faith. The reason that he does is because he believed God before God seemed believable. He didn't have the resurrection. He didn't have the New Testament. He didn't have the Old Testament prophecies. He just had an experience from a word from God. I don't know, but maybe I'm wrong, but I am believing that once again in the body of Christ, we don't have to have all the add-ons to believe that God is the God of hope, that he can do what he said he can do. I don't need 15 prophetic words. All I need is one word from God and that one word from him is enough for me to put everything else on the line I can choose to hope against hope and so here we come along and I'm researching this galaxy thing and I'm I'm bridging the gap and I start to see that what most of us do in Christianity is we look at the possibility of our life like the sky that we see. And when it gets dark, we go inside. Because it's time to get out of the atmosphere. And I started to think to myself, why is it that the body of Christ doesn't know how to handle the dark times? The times that you don't know. The places you're unsure. The times when you walk into the meeting and you don't know the outcome. The times that you're purchasing the home and you don't know how it's going to work. The times that you're walking down the aisle and you know you love them, but you're not sure. Or your baby ends up on drugs and you're dropping them off at a rehab. And you drive away. Those are dark times. Those are times that nobody's sitting in a pew rejoicing. They're trying to do what David was said. And he said, Lord, why is my soul so downcast? Lord, let the God of hope be restored in me so that I don't lose my focus. And here is what I began to see. I began to see that the dark times does require a piece of equipment to see further than what I see now. Because if I only focus on the bigness of the sky or the darkness around me, I will only see what everyone else is seeing. But when they came out with telescopes, the interesting thing about that is that they have different levels of telescopes. The telescopes, some of them, they only see into one part of our galaxy. 
Others see the full Milky Way. Others see further than our Milky Way. So I have learned that over time, my equipment shifts as I get to know him. As I get closer to God, I start seeing things further. The more I am with him, the more I can see the distance that is ahead of me. So I begin to look to see because I don't want to just see planets. See, some people have been content just seeing that there is more than what we have now. But I'm not one of those people. I am not interested in putting my hope just in its bare minimum. I want to be able to know that the galaxies that we have yet to be able to explore are still being held in the palm of the hand of Jesus. So I'm looking at these telescopes, but then interestingly, I'm reading this article from NASA, and the article says something so intriguing to me. It says, we invented the telescope to see things that we had never seen, but today we no longer use a telescope to see things we've never seen. We now use a telescope to see things and see the effect on those things to see what we've never seen. I'll say it again, because I had to read it three or four times myself. What they were saying is, the galaxy itself, when being studied now as a telescope, goes against physics because it is spinning. And in its spinning, it should be spitting out pieces of it at all times. And when they finally had equipment strong enough to tell that the galaxy was spinning and nothing was being spit out, the question arose in them that there must be something more that is in this picture that we just cannot see holding it together. So now they look through the telescope when they see the galaxy and they are not looking for the galaxy itself. They are looking to find the effects of what is on the galaxy because that gives them indication that there is something greater that they cannot see yet. So here is what I'm saying to you and I, breaking it down for the body of Christ and where we are at. God has given us a view and some of us have gotten caught up looking at that view, believing it is the full picture of what he will do. Some of you believe that just the job increase or pay increase at your job is all he's got for you. Or some of you believe if you could just become a traveling this, then that's all God has for you. Because when you look through your telescope, you are still looking to find the things that are seen. But God is wanting to shift your mindset so that you don't just hope for what is already there. You begin to look at what's there so that you can get an indication of what isn't there yet. In other words, why do you keep your peace when you could have given up? And why do you still stay comforted when there's no reason that you still love God? And why is it that you will still stay the path of righteousness even when all of those have left you because there's something around you that's keeping you from falling apart and when I gaze upon it I say Lord let it be seen in me not what is visible but let 
the invisible be seen. So I end up with this set of thoughts that the reality is God gives us visible things only to reveal to us the set of invisible things. But as Christians, so often we have found ourselves only focusing on what we already see. We think that just having the telescope itself is far enough. Well, I'm a person of faith. I believe God. I'm not denying that those are pieces and those are part of it. But I am not the kind of pastor and I would not do the justice of the 21st century church of what I believe God's doing in the earth if I did not challenge our mindset that he was not interested in giving us a telescope to only produce hope in our life. He was trying to get us to see that he is holding the galaxies together. And so when I looked at that, it brought me to Hebrews chapter 1. And it was interesting because the Bible in Hebrews chapter 1 says that it was he who framed the world and then he's talking about Jesus after the resurrection and then it says not only did he frame the world in verse 3 it says and he upholds all things by his word so that means that even in our present galaxies they have decided to call what they don't see dark matter that's what they call it when you read about it you can go study it after you leave here and find out all the awesome little things that I did about it and all the physics and all that craziness I never I hated physics it was worse terrible but they call it dark matter but what I have figured out about that dark matter is what it really is it's really the word of God upholding all things. They believe that it's just unseen matter. But to you and I, we know that it is the upholding of the word of God. So that means that if God found it so important from the beginning of time to put his word into the galaxies that you and I cannot see, how much more true is it that his word over your life is being upheld that he will not let what he said return to him void that he will do what he said he would do that he is not a God that should lie and he's not the man that should repent he owes nobody nothing and his word is upholding the galaxies of your life and when people view you they should be seeing his galaxy work in you they should be saying I don't know why they still have hope I don't know why they still have faith I don't know why God has given them what he's given them but I do know this I've been studying them and as I study them I see something I never saw before he upholds with his word so if this is all true which it is it's biblical if this is all true then that means that we have to once again find out what his word is saying. The Bible says in Romans chapter 4 that we are a people who are given scripture. And in this scripture that we have been given, it was given to us to build hope. 
Do you want to know why I believe that the body of Christ, not sinners, why the body of Christ struggles to have hope released in their life at the level in which God designed? Because they no longer know the word of God. The Bible says the word was given to us. It was spoken to us so that we would in patience and in comfort know his hope. So in other words, every time I share my story, every time I give the victory of what God has done in my life, every time I recount what he did for me and where he brought me from, I am allowing his word to build hope in other people. I'm allowing his word to build hope in my children. I'm allowing his word to build hope in my life because I have learned how to place his word in side of me and when his word is in me I begin to speak see see y'all don't know some of y'all don't know what four and a half years ago was like for me when Jason had his accident but what I do know is he upholds his word Some of y'all have had your own set of dark times. You've had your places that God has, it's felt like nobody was with you. You were on your own. But I learned something in that season. I learned what it meant to hope against hope. When everybody around me said it will not happen, we don't know if he'll ever be the same. We don't know if he'll ever walk. But God upholds his word. He will do what he said he would do. The question is, do you know what he said? You can't claim what you don't know. I got to the hospital. I did not. A man came into the room. He was a priest of some kind into the trauma unit. He came in and he brought a bear. And he said, just hug the bear. Whenever you feel low, hug the bear. Now, if you know me, I struggle at facial expressions. We all do, Lindsay included. I was like, hug the bear. Hug the bear. And I remember putting into place, here was a priest. He was a priest or at least a representation of a priesthood. Here was a, a Christ follower and his answer to my trouble, chaotic moment was just the comfort of a stuffed animal. But I will never forget looking back at him and saying, I do not need your stuffed animal. I need to know where the chapel of this hospital is. Because things have gone differently than I saw. God didn't prepare me for this in the natural. But I know in the spiritual, he will bring something forth that I have yet to see. Because what I'm looking at is not all of the story. I hope against hope. And I stayed coarse. Declaring what God had said three months earlier, the Lord had said and spoken to Jason and I to give a very large offering, the largest offering I'd ever given, ever, in the history of my life, ever. It was extremely risky. 
And in fact, it was so risky that Jason and I said we were going to sell a vehicle to give it. And that's exactly what we did. We sold a vehicle to give it. You know why we gave it? Not just because God asked us to, but because we had hope. We were looking through the telescope of our life saying, God, we know you got more on the other side of this. We know this isn't the end of the story. We know that there's more to our life. We know that you've designed us to make a difference. We know you've called us to be ministers of your gospel. So we'll give. We want to be people who are forerunners. We want to say, be able to say to the people we lead that we did what you asked us to do. See, some of y'all don't get this because you don't believe God would tell you to sell your vehicle. Some of y'all are so caught up in the way you see things that sometimes when God says to do something that's so out of the box for you. Because listen, we both had jobs. We had to go to one car. It was not convenient. And what was crazier is that two or three months went by and we had saved up a little cash to try to at least get some kind of, you know, little, little car, go somewhere, you know, go to the auction, go get something. And this was about January and Jason had gone to the auction and bought a car and we kept it for a few weeks and it was not a great car. And, and he said, I got it. He finally looked at me and it was probably about March, the beginning of March that year. And he said, Amanda, we have to have a better vehicle than this, something we can trust. He said, I'm going to go and just get a small loan and we can just get a vehicle. And I remember looking at him and saying, well, that can't be God's will. God wouldn't have told us to give an offering and then end up back in debt. Ain't none of y'all said nothing like that. And so, so Jason said, well, you know what? We need a car. So we're going to do this. And I was like, oh, you need more faith, brother. <laughs> this is me, right? This is me. It's just me. I ain't prayed about it. I ain't thought about it. I'm just sizing up God the level I think he is. So Jason goes and buys a vehicle. He comes back. The vehicle's got this massive grill on the front of it. I was like, what are we doing right now, Smalls? You killing me, Smalls? For reals. And he's like, I like this truck. This is one of my favorite trucks. I'm so glad to have this truck. It wasn't an expensive truck, but it was a nicer vehicle. And he's like, I like this grill. It's the way I've always wanted since I was a kid. And I was like, okay, well, glad you got your lifelong dream. <laughs> this is the first week of March. March 7th. Jason's on the road. Headed down to a tournament after an affecting destiny. Tractor and trailer wheel set comes off, hits his truck head on. Do you know there are many things that took place in that? One day I think he'll tell his story. Many things that took place, but one of the things that I'll never forget the officer telling me on the phone. He said, your husband shouldn't be alive in general, so there's no reason why he is. In fact, we're not even sure if he's going to make it. But I can tell you this, he's made it this long because he had a grill on his truck. (laughs) 
Now see, if you're just looking through the telescope of your life at the galaxy, you're going to size up God sometimes and say, well, God didn't want me to be back in debt and he didn't want me to go down that. But I came to tell someone he orders your steps even in the places you don't understand. When he asked us to give an offering, I didn't see an accident. When we had to go take a loan, I didn't see a grill. But when I look now at that galaxy, I realize there was something else holding up the spinning of my galaxy that I didn't see then but now I see because the effects of it are sitting right in front of me because I realize that who he is behind the scene is greater than who he is in the scene there was no reason Jason would have made it in fact if he would have kept our other car it would have been crushed by it but because trying times sure they were but every time a story would be told to me of the things that God just kept doing I kept getting a bigger lens on my telescope I kept looking and saying hold on I saw this just from this place See, the enemy spoke to me the day of his accident. I've never had Satan directly speak to me about anything in my life. In that day, he said, you thought I couldn't get to him. That was exactly the words. Just right in my heart, just plummeted. I got into the car with my dad, and I told him what I had heard. 
And we began to just pray in the spirit because we didn't know at that point we hadn't heard from anybody. I'd gotten a call from a guy at the scene that told me where they were at. And I remember on my way down, just praying in the spirit. See, listen, some of us aren't operating in the hope level that God designed because we are rejecting the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Bible says in Romans 15 verse 13 that the God of hope desires to fill you with joy and with peace so that you will abound in hope. Why and how? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you know that word power there is not power as in some kind of little terrible small little piece of power we're using around to try to put someone one up. That's dunamis power. That's the kind of power that has action behind it. He said, I'm giving you hope and this hope will be so powerful that it will be like a surge. When you plug into it, you won't be able to be stopped from it. That means that you'll be able to run through the troop and leap over the wall because the hope that's in you is greater than the circumstances around you. I came to tell someone, God has been surrounding you with his hope. He has something in store for you you know not of. You must hook to the power source because the Holy Spirit is about to empower you and infuse you with fresh hope. And this hope goes against all other hope. I didn't know everything. All I knew was to pray in the Spirit. People talk all the time. See, listen, that's why I don't get caught up whether or not I should speak in tongues, not speak in tongues, should do it in public, not do it in public, do it with your friends, don't do it with your friends, do it in your prayer closet, don't do it in your prayer closet, say five words, don't say five words, don't do it without an interpretation. You know why? Because that's all I had. I couldn't utter another word. And at that point in my life, if I would not have had the infusion of the Spirit in me, I would have been crushed under it. But like Paul said, I am perplexed, but I am not been put over. I am feeling a bit crushed down, but I'm not totally crushed because you have been with me. You are my source. You are the one who said you would do it from the beginning of time. So therefore... I may look like I'm suffering, but I know God is bringing me out. So that's all I had. And I've come to tell someone in here today that it's the power of the Spirit that will break you through to the other side. Some of you that are fighting massive issues. Pastor David talked about it today with depression and anxiety. Places that you've been looking at dark holes. I am asked the Holy Spirit that he would so get on the inside of you. That you get redeemed in hope again. To believe that he is good for what he said. That the cross still has power. That his blood still can break the yoke. I have prayed that we will not come to Jesus believing that he is just an add-on and believing that he is just someone we go to when we're in trouble. I have come to say, where is his placement in your life? And are you living a life that says you are front and center? Because when the 
morning star, the Emmanuel God with us, the one who knows the end from the beginning, the one who made a way where there seemed to be no way. I begin to declare his word over my situation. And sometimes I pray in the spirit and I still declare because when I pray and when I declare, I get infused and I begin to say, no, I looked at my dad that day and said, no, 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 no. Jason will not die. He will not die. Because our spirit man does not identify with that. The God of hope has come to fill you. Fill you. Fill you. He doesn't run out. He can make you so hope-filled that people around you just think that you are a novice. That you don't know nothing. He can make it so clear in you that people think you are almost an idiot because you don't understand the way the world works. It's not you don't understand the way the world works. You just know your world don't have to work that way. And you have made a decision that the God of hope has filled me with all joy and all peace, which means I get joy. I get a satisfaction in my soul about how good he is to me. I don't have to be happy. I got to be satisfied. And when I'm satisfied with him, happiness comes as a result. That I'm not happy every day, but I am full of the joy of the Lord. I am satisfied in him. He is the sustainer. He said, I'll fill you with satisfaction. And he said, I'm giving you peace, which means I'm making your feet steady. I'm going to put you into such a place that no matter what you're facing, I'm going to make it to where your soul is satisfied. In other words, it's not anxious. It's not searching. It's not looking. It's just satisfied. And when I do it, I'm going to pair it with my peace, which gives you a steadiness. It's not going to be like you're walking on a plank out on a ship in stormy waters. You're going to have steadiness about you. What means what doesn't matter if you leave here today and get the worst news of your life steadiness belongs to those who are calling upon the God of hope because the God of hope gives you a steadiness to walk through the areas of your life you yet do not understand he steadies the boat of who we are and calls the storms to leave He said, I'm going to fill you with joy. I'm going to fill you with peace. And then I'm going to make you abound. The worship team will come. I'm going to cause you to abound. But you're going to be able to do all of this. Not on your own. Verse 13. You're going to do it. Because I have sent my Holy Spirit on assignment to you. And when he gets in you, you won't have to worry, darling. You won't have to worry, sir, because no matter the storm, I have steadied your walk. No one told me that was the first battle with Jason. No one told me my first level of hope was getting him home. 
No one told me there would be 12 surgeries and 45 different appointments and 14 different diagnoses and 35 different people who would say you'll never walk again or you'll never do this again or you'll never be able to have your memory back again or you should just be glad he is the way he is, Mrs. Connor, because he just the fact he's alive. And I remember walking out of those appointments and thinking to myself, no, 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 no. God did not keep him alive so that he could be just a piece of God's grace. God kept him alive so that in our hope he will renew all that was lost and restore all that was given up. So though they said what they may and though I was grateful he was alive, I was not satisfied yet with what he was doing. And so I would get in my prayer closet. I would hold his hand on the road and I would say we are hoping against all hope. But you oh God are worth it because you raise the dead and you cause what doesn't exist to be so you're upholding my world in your hand you have not lost a battle you have not lost a fight so here's where I'm at today that is a piece of a story of ours you have your own but I am challenging you Stop looking at what is seen for the answers. It is only to reveal the greater in the unseen. Corinthians says, what is hope if I have to see it? Paul said, is it really hope if I have to see it? For hope lives best in the dark. It lives best in the dark. Which means when I'm surrounded by what looks like, I don't know. I just feel there are people in this room today, you know what I'm talking about. You know what it's like to be surrounded. You love God, but you're surrounded. But even in the surrounding, my hope remains in you. Because if Abraham could say that you could resurrect what looked dead in my body, when I had no options, you still had an option. If that was true for Abraham, ladies and gentlemen, it's true for you. That means all over this room today, people who have believed you've run out of options. I come to tell somebody he's still got one option. And his option is the right answer. It's not an option to him. It was always plan A. God is not into plan B's. I don't know where we came up with that craziness, but that is not even the right theology. He is not into plan B's. He is only into plan A's. Would you stand with me for a minute? I'm going to ask our worship team to sing. And as they sing, I'm going to ask those that are in this room today that you know, you know you need an infusion of hope in the middle of a situation in your life. You know that you've been looking at your galaxy and you haven't seen what's really there, but you just can't see it. You know that today 
You need to see the hope of God manifest in your situation. Listen to me, hope is so powerful that if today God touches you and he calls out of you the hope that is in you, you will be amazed at the energy level that comes to you to be able to keep going. Because hope is energetic. It gives you that grit to keep going, to push through, to say I can do it. It's persevering. Hope says that's not the way it will end even if that's the way it began. Hope sees and fights from the end of the story, not from the beginning of the story. So all over this room today, there are people. Some of you, you need hope because you are lost from God. You do not have a relationship with God. You want one. I know you want one because God has begun right now to even stir your heart to know Him. All of us came that same way. We all were stirred and drawn by Him to say yes to His cause. There's others in this room that you are a Christ follower, but you are living in a hopeless place. You have lost some hope. It may not be in every area, but it's in an area that you know you can define and pinpoint. I want to pray for you. And there's a third group that you know you need a fresh infusion of hope. That you have allowed yourself to become despondent about some things. Maybe words that you've been waiting on to come to pass and they never have come. Maybe things you've been believing over your children that seem like they've just not got there yet. But you need a fresh infusion. If any of those three categories is you today as they begin to sing, I want you to do what only courage can do, which is come here. I'm not going to make you sign anything or do anything, but I want to pray a prayer over your life that infuses you afresh and anew. So right now, Lord, all over this room, give